For the rest of us, we'll be in Philippians, the book of Philippians. If you need a Bible, one of the ushers will bring one to you. Um, Pastor Ben has given me the privilege to uh, preach one of the messages in the book of Philippians, our, our series we're going, to be, we're going through. Uh, we have this week and then one more week uh, to fin- finish up the book of Philippians. And so you're in, a treat, in for a treat. Actually, is there two more weeks or just one more week, Ben? He's gone, so two, two more. All right, we'll be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. We've got the Bible. The message this morning, it's a call to go, a call to send, and a call to receive. It's really a, a call to action. It's a call for us to be involved in one another's lives, to get to know each other, and have genuine concern for each other, for the welfare of your brothers and sisters. It's to know each other um, intimately and deeply. It's to know one another's needs and to meet those needs, really through inconveniencing ourselves, through sacrificing of self to help others. It's not really a complicated message. I don't think everybody's, nobody's really going to misunderstand it. But it's a, a deeply Christ-centered ethos, a deeply Christ-centered ethic about giving of self. self. The, the church... It's like a, a loyal family, the members that are loyal to each other, and that they go to each other. They go to each other physically. They go to each other when there's need emotionally or spiritually, and they go to each other often, deeply. That's the call this morning. It's kind of simple. On May 7th of 2004, Heather and I had our first child, first baby girl, and after a, a one-night stay comfy one-night stay at Valley Medical Center. We strapped her into the car seat and headed on home. Uh, we had received much advi- advice. Uh, we had the training that you was necessary to be a parent, which I guess isn't a whole lot. <laughs> uh, we had read, or Heather had read, I didn't read it, uh, what to expect when you're expecting <laughs> and what to expect the first year. Um, and, you know, we had people that were encouraging us. We knew the sleepless nights were coming. We were ready but we weren't really ready, were we? No. Um, our sweet little girl, she cried and cried, and it seemed like she cried and cried for a year, I think. <laughs> it was a long time. It was a persistent cry. And um, I think after about a year, I remember thinking, this is the first night I've ate dinner without indigestion. It was a, a long year. I'm, I'm glad we didn't know the year was long until after it was done, because I'm not sure we would have made it. So, about a week in after the birth... What did I do? Heather was emotionally spent. She was drained. I wasn't doing much better. And I was trying to help, but I'm limited in my ability to help. And so what did I do? I picked up the phone, and that, you actually had to take the phone off the wall in those days. It was a cord that attached to it. Remember that? And uh, I called Eureka, California. Long distance. You had to pay for long distance back then, too, as well. <laughs> and I called family. <laughs> I called Carol, Heather's mom, and I think I just said, Heather needs help. That's about all I said. <laughs> and Carol and Ken sent help. Within a matter of, I think, 48 hours or so, we had tendered, experienced care. Heather's, <laughs> Heather, and Heather had a, a mom to talk to. They sent. I, I sent and they came. Uh, they dropped what they were doing and they came and served us. Uh, it, was, I, I, it was an act of kindness and I would say a mercy uh, to go and bring the relief to us newbie parents that didn't know what we were doing. 
Uh, today we continue um, a letter from Paul to the book uh, to the church in Philippi, and in this section we see a shining example of a family of God serving one another. These are real people traveling long distances, you know, harder than us driving driving in cars today, to being with brothers and sisters and sending and bring, being sent for the welfare of their family in the Lord. And so in light of this, and then reflecting our text, this is, I think, our main idea for us today, and you'll see, see it on the screen up there. Out of concern for brothers, for the brothers and sisters, go to them, as did Christ. As, out of concern for the brothers and sisters, go to them, as did Christ. I'm, I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 30. And remember, this is a, a letter, it's an epistle, and, you know, they wouldn't have just sat down and, like, read a portion of it. They would have read the whole letter. They would have read the letter together. But as you read this, this portion, just think of, the, think of the tenderness. Think of the tone of this message. Uh, consider how the, the longing for the people to see one another. You'll see that in this part of it. Uh, see the sacrifices that, that are being made in, in, in a journey. And then see that, that familial commitment, that family commitment they have to wonder. As, as I read, think about those things. So we pick up in chapter 2, verse 19 of Philippians. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the Lord's word to us this morning. Many times um, we read of churches in the Bible and they're less of a model, less of an example, more of a foil. Um, but in this text, we see a church that is a, and its members that are, that are a model for us, an example for us, a model of the life of Jesus. Uh, we see three men and a church that we ought to emulate. This is an example of the apostle's words when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So let, let's look at this in two parts. It's kind of simple. We'll look at it in the first part, we see... Um, the desire for Paul to send Timothy to the church. That's verse 19 through 24, the desire to send Timothy to the church. And then Paul's desire to send, Paul's desire to send Epaphroditus back to the church, verses 25 through 30. So Epaphroditus back to the church in verses 25 through 30. That'll be our, our two parts. And you can count and see how many times I stumble over the word Epaphroditus. That's a long name. <laughs> All right, so we begin with sending to the church. And as we read in verse 19, I'll, I'll say it again. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon 
so that I may too be cheered by news of you. That I too may be cheered by news of you. So if you recall, at this point in Paul's life, he's unable to freely go anywhere. Why? Because he's imprisoned. That's what that Philippians chapter 1, verse 14 told us. He's in, in, he's, in, he's in prison for the sake of Jesus. And earlier in his life, he could go and he could travel as he would desire. Um, actually, this ch- church in Philippi was established because Paul made his missionary journeys. In Acts chapter 16, you can read of that time where he established that first, first church, or that, that church at that time. But now he's not free. He, he can't do as he pleases. He can't do, what he wa- do as he wants. He's under guard. And yet Paul, while he's in this difficulty, he writes this letter, this epistle, with love and concern for the church in Philippi. His desire is for them to grow in Christ, to flourish. And, and, and that news would bring joy to his heart, you see here in verse 19. He says it'll bring cheer to him, even while he's imprisoned. So because he cannot go, he seeks to send his trusted son in the faith, Timothy. You'll see the word send in the whole of our text. It, it, happens, it appears four times. It appears in verse 19, you can see. It appears in verse 23, and verse 25, and verse 28. Sending is at the heart of this passage, and really, sending is at the heart of the Bible on a whole. Going to others, moving away from self toward others, it, it's the way of God and his Son. Last week, when we were in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, we saw that we read that Jesus emptied himself and he became man, entered into humanity. And so in the greatest act of humility the world has ever seen of giving sacrifice, he gave himself to the world. Jesus was sent by the Father into the world to dwell among us and save his people. This is an act of sending. He went into the world. Because God loved the world, he sent his only son into the world to save the world. In humility, he sent his own presence, God did. God sent his own presence into the world. So Paul's sending of Timothy is exemplified in the father sending the son and the son going. And it's recorded as an example to us, to you and I. We are to send and to be sent into the world for others. And particularly for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Christian goes like Jesus goes. We go with our presence into other people's lives. And our presence is a present to those we go into their lives. We visit, hopefully, other people's homes. We, we build each other up as we meet in restaurants for a dinner or going out for coffee. We travel to other parts of the world and visit um, missionaries that have gone out or brothers and sisters that are in different places. Out of concern for brothers and sisters, we go to them, as did Christ. Now, if you look at verses uh, 20 through 23, just the next part down, we see the reason why Paul desires to send Timothy and, and the sacrifices that Paul will make in sending Timothy. You see in verse 20, it says that Tim, there's no one like Timothy in his life. No one like him. He, he's, he has a, a genuine, a sincere concern for the Philippian church's welfare. Timothy stands out among all the rest as one who does it not for his own interests, verse 21, but for the interests of others. His, he, he cares not about his own prosperity and accomplishments and his name, 
but he cares for the interests of others. He's chiefly interested in the interests of Jesus. And when Paul says that he will be cheered by the news of the church through Timothy, that's in in verse 19, he's saying he's going to be cheered because Timothy's going to go to build them up. And he knows that Timothy has this heart for the concerns for others, so the church will be built up. Paul will be cheered by that, even though he's in chains. Paul knows that the church faces troubles. The church does face troubles. Paul's life faced troubles. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 tells us that the Philippian churches faced, faced troubles, and they will face more troubles. But in sending Timothy, they will be built up in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that cheers Paul's heart. Timothy is a man who's concerned for the interest of others. And like, a, like, like he served Paul as a son, serves his father, Paul knows that will take place when he goes. So here's Paul. He's bound in a Roman, under Roman control, but he's sending Timothy for the joy of building up the lives of those brothers and sisters. This is the way of brothers and sisters in Christ. We go to others in the Lord with their welfare in mind. Their stories bring cheer. Getting a report on the life of another believer really does bring joy. I'd encourage you all, ask each other about each other's lives. Go to someone. Get to know what's happening in their life. The difficult things are important. Sometimes you need to speak out those things, and you need to hear them so you might be built up. I get to call, it's an honor to call uh, Pastor Luis Vargas in Bashini, Mexico, and his, his wife Kim. I, I call him, I don't know, periodically once a month or so. And uh, I've known um, Kim and Luis for nearly 20 years now, I think. They're um, a, a humble people, I would say. At least Luis has pastored that church there for nearly 20 years. And Kim, she's served the, the women in the community. She's served the children in the community. She's now you know, um, overseeing the school there. And it's not an easy environment. The church has had losses. Uh, but I've seen Christ progressively work in the character of Kim and Luis. And it's encouraging to hear his stories. Uh, this just this last year, he told me a story where um, he sat with a member of their church as they were dying on their deathbed. And he was holding their hand when they went to be with the Lord. That was an encouraging story to me, to see Christ's character formed in Pastor Luis and the work of Christ. It encourages me. And it's even better when you get to go there and eat homemade tortillas while you're hearing the story. Being with people, hearing the stories, this is important. Paul here is exemplifying Father God and desiring to send his son in the faith to the church in Philippi. He's going to lose the presence of his loyal and faithful son. It's going to be a sacrifice. But Paul is an example of the Father. And Timothy will be exemplifying Christ as the one who is sent, who looks not out for his own interests, but the interests of others, as did our Lord. You can, again, you look back to Philippians 2.4, that example of who Christ is, that's what Jesus did. It will not be convenient for Timothy to travel weeks, maybe even months from where Paul is until, or Paul and Timothy are into, to Philippi. But the Christ-shaped character in him is not concerned about his own interests. Maybe his own self would be his own interest, but his Christ-shaped character is growing, is not, and so he is willing to go. He is concerned for the welfare of the others. He desires to go out. Again, this is an example to us. This is, as our, 
as our series is called, Following the Footsteps of Jesus, this is how we follow in the footsteps to Jesus. Go to one another, visit one another, travel. Maybe um, this, this year um, we actually are going to take a short-term trip to Mexico. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to take a trip down there in December to visit the brothers and sisters there. Maybe that's going to a, a Christian sister that's in your Bible study uh, this week. Maybe that's uh, visiting someone who can't leave their home. Maybe that's a, you want to reach out to a, a teen or a young person that you could encourage in the faith. These are ways that we can go to one another. And we must do it. That's what we do as Christians. Out of concern for our brothers and sisters, we go to them as did Christ. And those stories they tell will encourage us. Now, I think verse 23 uh, is important. And it, I think it's very important and very practical. It, it rightly tempers a message um, urging us to go. There's a calling for us to go and to send, but the question is, is the time right now? Is it right now? Answer the question of when is important. The time we know for Paul was definitely not right now. He couldn't go anywhere. He was bound under his circumstances. But even with Timothy, it says in verse 23 that there needed to be a delay. If you look at verse 23, it says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord. Shortly I myself will come also. So he had to wait. There was an important need for Timothy to be with Paul at that time, so Timothy could not go yet. Paul could be imprisoned longer. He might need more help. He may even be killed and martyred for the faith at the time. They did not know what was going to happen. The point here is that Timothy's timing in sending is also an example. God, he appointed a specific time when Jesus came. We we might might wonder, well, why didn't God send Jesus in the days of Adam? Or when Abraham was raising up the, the nation of Israel? Or David, when the kingdom was established? Why not? Well, God has a timing for things. And there's a call to send and to go, but the question is, only God knows when that might be. So it's our responsibility to have a heart to go, but we need to use prayer and wisdom as to when that would be. The desire should be ever-present, but when to go is variable. And this is important, very important in following the footsteps in the leading of Jesus. In fact, in a message like this, you kind of, I feel a little bit of like, I don't want to put a burden on you, because maybe you're in a place where you can't go. And that's absolutely okay. God has timing for you. He knows what the right time is. It may be a time in your life where you're helping to send others. Life circumstances do change things, but the heart is, how might I go? How might I send? How might I be involved in the lives of others? How can I send? How can I be a part of it? We look at verse 24. It's just, I already read it, but it says, I trust in the Lord that, I sh- that shortly I myself will also come. This is Paul saying that. We don't know. Did Paul ever make Philippi? He may have. But we can say for certain, we know he had their welfare in mind, and he was willing to go, and he was willing to make the sacrifice. As people, you and I, we need others in our lives. We need their presence. Our personal presence is really is indeed a present to people who are in our lives. We need that present. It's a gift of self-giving life for the welfare of others. And it's the role of the church to be with one another. I'll be very honest. I found it very easy for myself to personally just want to stay home 
and enjoy my comfort in my area. It's just that, that that's easier for me, especially in this age of like you can kind of work at home and do things online. It's just easy to think, oh, I like to sit on my couch. I like to be, you know, uh, in, in my own area. So I need the Lord to st- stretch me, to get me out of my comfort zone, to want to reach out to others. And every time I do, I'll t- be honest with that as well. Well, not every time, but almost every time, there is joy in it. <laughs> this is the way of Christ. I want to grow in seeing the welfare of others as more important than my own. And I, I think that's true for all of you as well. You want to grow in seeing the welfare of others as more important than yourself. And, and I'll say this. I'm impressed by many of you. I, I, I see how, um, well, I'll just say, Debbie Melcher, she writes her birthday cards and things, and she reaches out in that way. I see how some of you go in and visit each other, uh, visit each other or um, have a, a coffee date or host a Bible study or phone calls. I, just, I see it over and over again. Keep that up. That's part of the life of being a Christian is doing that in the lives of others. So now we transition and we look at verses 25 to 30, and then we're going to see Epaphroditus being sent back to the church. So as it would be, uh, Paul seeks to send Timothy, but he additionally desires to send Epaphroditus, and he, he says that it's necessary to do so for the good of the Philippians. But in Timothy's case, it wasn't now, but in Epaphroditus' case, is it is now. It's time. And the very reason we actually have this letter before us is because Epaphroditus was the one who then took that letter back to the Philippian church. It was sent by Paul, and that's why we get to read it today. He delivered this epistle, this letter to the church. And, and we learn in these verses that Epaphroditus, Philippi was his home. That's where he was from. And he was previously sent by the Philippian church to Paul. We see that in verse 28, that he had, to, that he had previously been there. That's where he was, and they'd been, he'd been sent. Paul, rather than being the one who was sending, he had received Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus had been sent to him. So the Philippians, they had heard of Paul's need in this Roman, in Roman chains, and they had sent one of their very own. They had sent one of their members. They looked out not to their own interests, but they looked out for the welfare of Paul in the interest of the church. So this is kind of cool. So we've been talking about how a person had the interest of others in mind, but here's a church having the interest of others in mind. The church in Philippi is an example to the chapel church in Puyallup. They sent a brother out of concern for another brother. As a corporate church, as a body, they walked in the footsteps of Jesus that way. And look what Paul says about how, um, just what he says about Epaphroditus, how great value he was to him. Look at verse 25. He says, Paul calls him brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and the church's messenger and minister to my need. These are pretty high marks if you describe that about somebody. High marks for Paul. He sees Epaphroditus as a peer among him. A, a brother, a, a family member who's alongside him. As a fellow laborer in the gospel, he stood side by side in the gospel. And a partner in the battle against the enemy. He, he's a soldier with him. I think, really, God only knows how much it meant to Paul to have a Epaphroditus come and be with him while he's enchained. And to receive that presence, the present of his presence in his life. 
we really can't know. We really don't know. How would history have been different if Epaphroditus didn't come? But we do know that his presence was meaningful and it was important. And that time of need really helped Paul in his time of need. The value of your presence in someone else's life, it cannot be measured. You can't just put it on a calculator. You can't figure it out exactly. But we probably best understand the, someone's presence in our lives when we're going through a hard time, when we're in need. When Ken and Carol came and helped uh, Heather and I, you know, you know the value. Uh, I'll affirm this church once again by the way that you have been in our lives with the passing of Ken Skaggs. You've just been so good in our lives. The phone calls, the hugs, the cards, the offers to help. Your presence in our lives is priceless. Your presence is a gift. This is the, and you don't know that value until you see it happen in your life. Now, when Epaphroditus arrived, he gave words uh, to Paul of what was happening in the Philippian church, and he ministered to Paul in his need. We also learn later in this letter that when um, Epaphroditus came to Paul, he brought him a financial gift, a financial gift. In chapter 4, verse 18, we'll read about that. Paul was in chains. He couldn't work because of that reason, and so he needed others' help, and so they sent money. It was also brought at that time. So one member of the Philippian church was sent on behalf of the church for the welfare of Paul. This is a model of ascending to other people in other lands. It's for a church to do as much. Now, sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I wonder, well, in our day and age, why send a person all the way across the world to meet with someone when you can just simply wire a check? (laughs) You can just use Venmo, and they'll have the money. Well, I'll double down. There is something about presence, being with someone, that is invaluable. I, I ask you, ask Jackie, ask Ayantu what it's like to have people come and visit them, or they being here with us, what it means to them. There, there's a cost involved. There's a sacrifice that, but that, that, the, the cost of that presence, it's hard to price. I, I really think it's invaluable to be with people, to have that hug, to be together. Um, ben, Steve and, and I got to go to Croatia a little over a year ago, Steve, I think. I think it was like maybe May of the, last, of the previous year. And as we traveled, I, I kept having this, it's because I'm cheap, I think. <laughs> but I kept having this mind, why am I over here spending the donation money of other people? Why am I doing that? It could have been so much easier just to send over some money or write a check or so on. But about halfway through, after having conversations with people, after meeting Rotko, after being at Calvary Chapel um, Chakovitz, after sitting with them, after going to a potluck meal in the church, after uh, going to Rotko's house and, and learning and seeing, meeting his family and, and having a meal, you, I just realized there's a big difference between sending a check and being in people's lives, going and being sent by a church. You all did that for us. It's a big difference and it's very important. That's an example to us as the Chapel Church in Puyallup. Relationships and presence are rare and important. And good relationships, they have a cost. I think we all know that. Good relationships have a cost. There's an element of sacrifice. So now in Epaphroditus' case, he almost played the ultimate sacrifice. We see this in verse 27. It says that he was ill near to death. And then in verse 30, it says that he nearly died for the work of Christ. But, as it would be, 
it says in verse 27 that God had mercy on Paul. He had mercy on Paphroditus. He had mercy on the Philippian church. God spared his life. Um, God spared the life of Epaphroditus, and that was a mercy to the church and to Paul to have not their brother add sorrow upon sorrow among the many trials they already have. So Epaphroditus, again, an example of giving of himself to comfort others, to encourage others. He gave his life in that way, or almost gave his life. Um, there's another aspect about Epaphroditus that's pretty encouraging, is that when he heard that the church heard that he was ill, it had a, it had a burden on his heart. It just gave him a longing to go and to care for them. Again, not looking out for his own interests, but looking out for the welfare of others. We see that in the life of Epaphroditus here. Now, I don't expect you or I, if we go and visit a, a brother or sister in town, are going to come near to death. <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, if you go to a missionary in another land, you probably won't have that happen as well. But there is discomfort and there's difficulty when you put yourself in a place to help others. It actually may be, if you go and visit someone in the hospital and you give them a hug or shake their hand, you may get sick. When you go to Bashiniva in December, there are drug cartels down there that are dangerous. You don't know. When you visit someone's home, there may be an understanding about your motives and the way you go, and they could be offended in some way. There's risks involved. If you have never been to a home group and you reach out and you go to a home group to be involved in people's lives, it may be uncomfortable. These things happen. But the call of the Christian is to go to others for their welfare and not our own. To be interested in not my comfort, but the comfort of others. And we see that here in the life of Epaphroditus. He's a model of Christ. He shows forth Christ. But look even more now and think about Jesus. Think about it a little bit. He is the one who traveled from the glory of heaven and was sent to earth, the fallenness of earth. He was enthroned in heaven, and he came here. And he didn't almost die. He died. And he died a brutal death for the welfare of his people. Again, Philippians 2.8 describes this. He says, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus knowingly and obediently made the ultimate sacrifice when the Father sent him to the earth. This is the most profound and life-changing truth that the Son of God gave his very life for the welfare of people. This is the example that Epaphroditus is following and Timothy is following as Paul is following and the church in Philippi are following of giving himself. Jesus did that for his people. And the Bible declares this, that all who receive him, become sons, children of God. John 1.12 tells us that. All who receive him. He was sent. He came. All who receive him become children of God. Family, brothers and sisters, loved by God, embraced. God's presence in our lives and the lives of all who receive him. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the only way that you can follow in his footsteps as well to becoming truly like the examples we're seeing in our text. Do you want to be increasingly of good cheer in a difficult world and difficult times? How do you do that? You receive Jesus on a daily basis, asking him to come and live in your life and to follow him with your life. 
This is receiving the one who goes before us, who is our example, who has not only been our example, but is the one who made the way. And, and receiving him is an honor. It's an honor to receive Jesus. And the Philippian church knows this, and we see this as well. Um, when Epaphroditus would have finally made that trip home, he had that letter with him, and he brought it before the Philippian church, and they would have read it, and he was probably staying there with them. Just imagine that. You know, you back off to this long journey. He was ill and was sick. They receive him back. They're excited to see him, and they read this letter. Well, look at it read in verse 29 and 30. It says what, what, what Paul wrote. Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what is lacking in your service to me. And receiving Epaphroditus, they certainly would have had just great joy. Their brother, who had nearly died, has now had returned home from serving Paul, encouraging him in the gospel, helping him in the gospel. And he had been their messenger. He had been the one who had suffered on, on their behalf. So Paul writes for them to honor such men. I don't think they had a whole, lot, big problem with that. They're just like, they were ready to honor him. He, he had done so much for them. It, it would not have ta- taken a lot of convincing for them to honor Epaphroditus. He had gone a great distance. He had sacrificed of himself. And so his, re- his return to home, I think it would have fueled their faith in the merciful God, a God who cared for Epaphroditus, who allowed them to send um, him across the, the lands to get there. And it would have fueled their desire to, to live for, with a passion for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, our, my, my church family, our church family, the lives of Paul, and Timothy, Epaphroditus, and this, this church are examples for us to live out. They're examples for us to follow as Jesus lived. They, they went to their brother's sister at a concern for their brothers and sisters. We can do the same. It's a calling on our lives. And so, as I finish, again, this is not a complicated message. I'll already state what I said in the beginning. This is a message, a call to go and to send and to receive. It really, it's a call to action, to being involved in one another's lives, of genuine concern for the welfare of others. How do you do that? Well, you've got to be in others' lives. You've got to meet. You've got you to travel. You've got to find ways to get to know each other, to know each other deeply and intimately, to see how you might serve another and might give of yourself. And when we're, there's a mutual interaction with one another lives and hearing those stories, what happens? Joy comes forth. There's a joy. There's a cheer that is made. It's not complicated. <laughs> it really isn't. I'll give you one little last anecdote um, because our senior pastor, Stephen's not here right now. He's, uh, you know, he's spending three weeks of training in Chicago, uh, and he's learning and growing as a preacher. And when Stephen arrived here about five years ago, one of the first things I saw him do is he reached out to other uh, pastors in the area, um, and he had a desire to encourage others. He desired to see not just his work and his new thing here, you know, as the new senior pastor grow, he wanted to see that in other churches around the area. And so he gathered, gathered a group of guys, and I see him meet with them often. And really that, that act of going out has, I've seen over and over, been an encouragement to others. He has spoken to their lives. He's helped them at times. They've called them at times when there's trouble. He's called them when there's trouble and difficulty. 
that's been a good thing. And it's, it, his example is a model to us. This isn't just the job of a pastor. This is for all brothers and sisters to do. So his example is a good example to us, and I'm glad we have a pastor that we can emulate. So with that, let me pray, and we'll sing together. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, thank you, really, that there, this isn't complicated, um, but it is only done through your power and strength. Thank you, Jesus, for setting the example for us. Thank you for being in our lives and giving us strength. Lord, help us to move out from our comfort zones. Um, help us to be those who give ourselves. Lord, and if we're not able to go someplace this time, help us to receive and help us to send others. Just maybe be led with the timing that you have for our lives, but always help us have the heart and concern for others, as you do. In Jesus' name, amen.